0: Chapter forty four of the Snow Burner by Henry Oyen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Chapter forty four. The Madness of Hell Camp Reivers. The day opened as the day before had opened. A bellow from Shanty Moyer, and Reivers strapped MacGregor into his harness again and they tumbled out to their rude morning meal. Again Moir stood a distance away, the big six-shooter balanced easily in his hand. But this morning Joey and Tammy, over by the pit-mouth, also were awaiting the appearance of their two beasts of burden, and Reavers instantly sensed something new and sinister afoot. At the sight of MacGregor's decrepitude, as stiff and tottering, he made his way to his meal, Joey and Tammy strove vainly to conceal the wolfish grins that appeared on their ugly faces. "'Aye, Shanty, art quite right. Is worth his keep no longer,' said Tammy. "'Hast been a fair animal for a Scotch jackass, but does not thrive on his oats no more.' "'One fair day's work left in him,' said Joey, appraising McGregor shrewdly. We'll knock off a little early, eh, Shanty, so's to have delight to see em swim. "'Would not miss the sight of that for a pound of dust,' replied Shanty, and the three roared fiendishly together. "'You poor misbegotten spawn,' said MacGregor quietly beginning to eat, eyeing them one after the other. "'I'll live to spit on the shamed corpses of the lot of you.' As the day's work began, Reivers started to calculate each move that he and Moyer made with a view to discovering the opportunity he was looking for. All that he wished was a chance to rush Shanty without giving the latter an opportunity to use his gun. The odds of three to one against him, and Joey and Tammy armed with knives, he accepted as a matter of course but a six-shooter in the hands of a man who could use one as shanty Moyer could was a shade too much even for him to venture against the manner in which Moyer had shot up the tin cup the morning before proved how alert and sure was his trigger finger to make the suspicion of a move toward him with the gun in his hand would have spelled instant ruin as he watched now, Reivers saw that Moyer was more vigilant than ever. He kept far away from the pit-mouth. The gun either was in his hand or hanging ready in the holster. And when Reivers saw the first load of sand, he understood why. The pay streak had paid out. They were winnowing the drippings of dust washed down from the pocket now, and this job soon would be done. Moyer was not taking any chances of losing at this stage of affairs the fortune was in his grasp he would break camp and be off in the same hour that the sand began to run low grade he took no part in the work today. he merely stood and watched and reivers watched back and the hours passed and the short day began to draw to a close and still not the slightest chance to rush Shanty Moyer and live had presented itself. As the early twilight began to creep down into the cavern, the ugly grins with which Joey and Tammy regarded McGregor began to increase. Suddenly Tammy, washing a pan of sand in the brook, threw up both hands. "'Not a trace in the last load, Shanty,' he shouted. "'All out!' came Moyer's bellow, as if he had been waiting for the signal. Joey and Tammy threw down their tools and came over and stood behind Reivers and McGregor, who came up dragging a loaded sledge behind them. "'Take that load down yonder,' ordered Moyer, pointing to the black tunnel into which the creek disappeared in leaving the cavern. Tammy and Joey followed, grinning, two paces behind the sledge, "'Moyer, gun in hand, walked ten feet behind them. "'Whoa!' he laughed when Reivers and MacGregor had drawn up against the cliff beside the stream's exit. "'You can unhitch the old jackass now, my sons. Then over with it, quick!' With a yelp, Tammy and Joey tore loose McGregor's traces. They held him between them, and in his bound and weakened condition he was unable to struggle or turn around before reivers could move they had hurled mcgregor into the deep water in the tunnel he sank like a stone and the current sucked him in good-bye mcgregor of the big boasts laughed Moyer, but he laughed a trifle too soon in the instant that the current bore mcgregor into the darkness of the tunnel his face bobbed up above the waters he looked up and looked straight into reivers eyes it was not a look of appeal, it was the same look that had been in the eyes of Hattie MacGregor the day when Reivers had left her cabin. Then Hell Camp Reivers felt himself going mad. He hit Tammy so hard and true that he flew through the air and struck against Moyer. The next instant Reivers was diving like a flash into the black water, groping for MacGregor, while the current swept him into the total darkness. He heard the bullet from Moyer's revolver strike the water behind him in the instant that his hands found McGregor, heard mocking laughter as he pulled the old man's head above water, then the current whirled him and his burden away. It whisked him downstream with a power irresistible. It threw him from side to side against the ragged rock walls. It sucked him and the load he bore down in deep whirlpools and spewed them up again, He bumped his head against the stone roof of the tunnel and swore. The roof was a scant foot above the water. He put his hand up. The roof was getting closer to the water with every yard. Soon there was only room for their upturned faces above the water. Reivers laughed heartily. So this was to be the end. The joke was on him. After all he had gone through, He was to drown like a silly fool through a fool's impulse. Presently, roof and water came together. For a moment, Reivers fought with his vast strength, holding his own for an instant against the current, hanging on to the last few seconds of life with a fury of effort. The current proved too strong. It sucked them under. The water closed above them. They were whirled and buffeted to the last breath of life in them, and then suddenly their heads slipped above water, and they were looking straight up at the gray winter sky. End of chapter 44 Recording by Roger Moline